Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marley with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? I'm doing great. The reason being, I've got a fantastic, fantastic guest on. This is a paranormal investigator and an author by the name of Brandon Callahan. And uh, Brandon was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. He has traveled the world while serving in the United States Air Force. And he's worked to develop new theories with existing ones in the paranormal field to allow for more knowledge and the ability to assist those in need. Now, um, he's been actively investigating paranormal activity in the field for many years, and he's also developed a method of tracking potential hotspot locations throughout the world. Uh, Besides being an author and investigator, he's also an aspiring filmmaker, and he's been a founder and co-founder of multiple paranormal investigation teams. Um, And of course, he offers help to those who need help, especially when they're dealing with the paranormal, which sometimes can get like a little bit, sometimes it can get even dangerous depending on what's happening with you. But anyway, let me bring Brandon on. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm Hello? doing very well. Thank oh, you fantastic. for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to ask you what I ask all of my guests, which was, uh, how did you become involved with the paranormal? Was it an experience or what happened? Um, a little of both. Uh, always growing up drawn to the Halloween side of things, the darker side of things. It was just kind of a natural draw for me. Okay. And then I actually did have an experience. <clears throat> really one of my first close personal experiences when I was overseas in Turkey during my Air Force days. Oh, I got to hear about that. What happened? Well, there, in that part of the world, there's a lot of ancient ruins all over the place, and we used to go and explore. And uh, 
we actually came across one on a really hot summer day. It was well over 100 degrees outside. And as we were exploring, I was making my way down a set of stairs. And in the in the middle of the daylight, uh, in the heat of the day, I actually began to be able to see my breath because it was so cold about halfway down the staircase. Wow. And, yeah, and I actually, I, I kind of blacked out for a few seconds. And... Um, it, it kind of was just as though I just tranced out. And when I kind of came to, I just really had no idea what was going on. And, um, by exactly where I had been and I was seeing my breath, it was just as hot as it had been before. And so it was just a real quick experience, but I couldn't explain it. Right. And so it really kind of started to pique my interest, you know? And let me ask you, was there, was, what was this? Was this just, what part were you in? I mean, that's a really unusual experience. Uh, was mm-hmm. there something, did you ever find out, was there something that happened at that location? And of course, I know what you mean by Turkey. I mean, definitely talk about ancient. That's mm-hmm. ancient right there. So sometimes it would be even oh, difficult yeah. to tell what might have even been there at one point. You know, oftentimes they would mark them as, as to what this to be. And this happened to be an old Coliseum. And so there were a lot of staircases Wow. Um, yeah, and so this happened to be an old coliseum. It was really cool. They, they were, you know, those things are all over the place over there. And uh, we did. We used to just go on the weekends whenever we'd have some downtime, and we'd just go kind of explore. And I never really had any experiences quite like that. And so that one really uh, started to pique my interest. And that's really when I think my interest started to kind of boil over as well. So, uh, Brandon, after you had that event in Turkey – what happened after that? Well, after that, excuse me, my it really piqued my interest. And so that's when I decided that I was going to um, really start attempting to pursue these things. Uh, just actually, rather than reading and researching, I wanted to actually get out and see what I could really find and experience myself. Um, and that was shortly before I actually came back stateside from the Air Force. Okay. Did you ever have any other weird experiences like that? Because that was that was pretty intense what you described there. Not not uh, really obvious experiences. Uh, we had traveled throughout Europe and went to all kinds of different places that I would really like to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um but really, until I started investigating, I didn't really have any really additional experiences uh, up until we really started working out in the field once I put everything together when I got home. What did you do? So what happened when you came back? Did you join a group or did you start a group? What happened? No, actually, I started just doing as much research as I could. Okay. Um, I don't really I don't really venture into much of anything without something of a plan. And idea. since I didn't really... I, I didn't really have actual field experience. I started doing a lot of research mm-hmm. on equipment and things of that nature. And I actually had put together uh, the team that I originally worked with, uh, just happened to be a friend of mine that I was working with here and uh, and my brother and another good buddy of ours. Um, and so it was the four of us kind of from the beginning. And then um, uh, actually one thing that kind of, it, it kind of forced me to make a real decision as far as whether or not I really wanted to pursue this was 
shortly after our first investigation of a house that my brother had been living in, and they had always been very uncomfortable. And um, uh, we actually lost um, one of our friends shortly after we had investigated. He was there with us the night we investigated. And, you know, I don't know that it was necessarily attached to anything that may have happened, but he was very young and healthy. Okay. Um, it kind of came out of the blue. And we had actually received the first EVP, the the first absolute Class A, without question, EVP that I had ever gotten was from that first investigation. And it actually said, get you dead. And within two to three weeks after that investigation, um, sure enough, one of the guys that was there, he died under fairly mysterious circumstances. They called it walking pneumonia. Um, wow. But he died in sleep. Yeah. God. And and so it, it was shortly after we discovered that. And so obviously I didn't know what to make of it. I mean, it's something that you just don't know how to respond to. You don't know how to react to it. I bet. And so, Let me ask something. Was this the yeah. house that you were saying that your brother had lived at at one point but wasn't comfortable when he was there? Is that the one? Right, right. And he had actually been having a lot of health problems. Um, he came back from his Army days in, in pretty bad physical shape um, just due to circumstances while he was in. And, um, you know, he almost died in that house as well. Because you, be, you, you, you it, answered my question because I was about to ask you exactly what you just answered was what happened to him when he was there? Did he have health problems? And from what you're telling me, yeah. He did well. He he well, had actually fallen off the cliff, and um, what? What? He what? He fell off a cliff. He had actually he had actually fallen off the cliff when he was in Korea. Oh and, my god! Um, and so he had some pretty severe back problems. Um, well, to this day, and um, and so yeah, he had uh, been doing work with the VA and everything to try to get better had some surgeries and things of that nature and there was kind of a fluky thing that happened uh after one of his procedures to where it almost ended up killing him um so there was just a lot of kind of strange things that had sort of surrounded that time um and it all just you know it, you can call it coincidence or whatever you yeah, mind i wouldn't could. necessarily say it's paranormal but it, these kind of strange coincidences seem to coincide with our diving into this this field okay. and um and over the years there's been i can't i can't even count the experiences just outside of the work that we do you know personally because i typically focus on things that i experience because i have firsthand knowledge of that and understand you know my my place mentally and physically and everything else and so I try not to read into a lot of other things that people tell me they experience simply because I'm not there typically. So I, uh, but yeah, over the years, I, I, we could probably, we could probably be here for hours and I could tell you, as a matter of fact, don't be surprised when we start to get into certain subject matter. If you and I have some pretty serious, uh, there's going to be problems. There's going to be, whether it's phone issues, okay, computer no, no. issues. I know. I call this paranormal sabotage. I've already experienced that with different. I know. I know all. Ex I know exactly what it you're talking about. It happens constantly. I call it. I have my own. I made up my own thing. It's called paranormal sabotage, and I know exactly what you mean. I maybe we were yeah, having that um, already. 
Right. Well, well, it, typically it's during certain subject matter, but okay. But uh, but yeah, it's very very common. Um, I'm not on my landline today, but so yeah, I mean, of course, with cell phones, sometimes. Oh no, I know, I know. You know, they're iffy, but um, but yeah, it happens. Um, I I have a, a lot of energy that tends to uh, I don't know about follow me around, but I think sort of attach uh, from time to time. Um, and I think that's just been more or less developed over the years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just very difficult to really cleanse yourself completely of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This is, and that's one of the things, you know, cause I've been a researcher and an investigator since the 1990s. And, you know, lately with all the shows, like in the last few years, it's become more mainstream in the sense that a lot of people have gotten into it. And mm-hmm. I tell them, you know, sometimes once you get into this field, um, there's something that, and I understand when people do the protection prayers and when they cleanse themselves, whatever system or rituals or whatever it is that you got going on to protect yourself. But there's always something about you that once you're out there trying to communicate, it, it things seem to get attracted to you regardless mm-hmm. of where you're at. It's just something that comes with the territory. And some people find out disagree. too late I, what, what that's about. You know, you know, the analogy that I always make, um, it's in certain places. It's not everywhere. No, and it's not everywhere. But certain places, you, it's like you dive into the pool with all your clothes on. And when you get out, it takes an awful lot of, a long, an awful long time to dry off. Yeah. Um, and so for me, in some locations, it's as though I need time to quote unquote dry off after I've been there and it just takes a long time sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, cause we, we are in essence in some places that I've been, it, it is definitely, it's, it's kind of a metaphorical pool of energy and mm-hmm. sometimes it's not positive energy. Of course And not. the more negative, the longer it can take. And sometimes, um, sometimes it, I've even, I've even been down for a year because mm-hmm. of certain things that had happened. Sure. And, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, some people say that they're going to, you know, retire or stop doing this stuff and everything else, which, you know, everybody has their thing. But I'll, I'll be honest, I'll just flat out tell you, there's going to be periods of time that I'm not going out doing this. And there's a good reason for that. Sure. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a retirement. It's not anything like that. It's, it's that I need time to cool off. I need time to get back, you know, cleanse myself mentally and, and emotionally and spiritually. Of course. And so sometimes it just takes a while. And you know what? That's very smart. And all my time, usually I was a freelancer as far as investigations. And I would work with a, with a group that covered all of Florida and they would contact me when there was something down in mm-hmm. South Florida or if they were really short, because sometimes I would travel to places and, and everything. And I've worked also with other groups. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I always looked at, and I tell everybody, is is like, how are you doing physically? And people look at me like, what do you mean I say? Especially, I mean, some because I, a lot of times I would do the preliminary questioning of or conversation with the parties involved. And I would get a good idea of what, what was going on, which, by the way, that's another thing I tell. One of my good tip-offs that I was onto something intelligent was that I would have things happening in and around me mm-hmm. before I even started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That was my oh, first yeah. tip off that it was like, okay, there's something here. But right. I would say 
even bringing in a team member that's feeling that they're exhausted or they've got a cold, Mm -hmm. I tell them, if you know what, Mm -hmm. if you've got anything, and I'm not going to say this all the time, it doesn't, but if you've got something that's a little bit on the malevolent side in there, guess who they're going to aim for in that group? They're going to go after the person that's physically. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and that's, that's the emotional side of it that a lot of people just don't know. And, you know, I've actually witnessed from the outside teams just completely implode on each other yes. because nobody was right. Nobody was right mentally before they even started doing this. Yes. And all that's going to do is it's like pouring a huge can of gas on an open flame. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. you, you can't, you can't be off in a mindset that's not correct and be able to do this and be productive at it. If anything, you're making bad matters worse. Oh yeah. Because I'm telling you, if you've got anything that's intelligent and malevolent, okay, First of all, they're always going to look for the weakest link in the chain to throw to scare the group off. Like, hey, they usually go, like I said, either somebody that's physically exhausted or sick or Mm -hmm. might have emotional problems, maybe temporarily. You know, something could be happening in their personal life, and that's Mm -hmm. who they're going to aim for. And sometimes it does happen what you say. Sometimes it can even wreck uh, a group, especially if they're not gelled real good or if they know what's happening. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. I've seen that happen. And I've had some people where I've said, you know, like they've said, oh, like, oh I'm so tired or I, you know, I didn't make it. And I was like, do you, do you really want it? And they look at me like, why are you taking this so seriously? And it's like, it's not that I'm taking it too seriously. It's that I've been around and I know that for your own good and for you not to become a liability to the team, believe me, I'm saving you a big headache because if there's something in there that truly wants us out and knows how to manipulate things, Guess mm-hmm. who there's going to be in their crosshairs? It's going to be you. Okay. And, the, you know, I've got, it looks like, are you kidding? And I'm like, I'm not kidding. And you, and I agree with what you said. There's been times where either I've got too much going on, like physically I'm tired. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, or, and I've, I've bowed out from investigations and I've said, no, I, I can't go. All right. Because I mm-hmm. know myself enough to know. Maybe not. Sometimes, you know, and I'm sure you've had that experience. You'll go to a location. There really isn't anything there. Or if it is, it's maybe residual mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. but even then, you know, not till you really find out for sure, you're really risking yourself. And um, like I said, a lot of the shows make it sound like all you have to do is get some equipment and walk into a supposedly mm-hmm. haunted location. And there you go. Voila. And it's like, sure. Let me tell you something. Some people have had some really disagreeable experiences because then that thing attaches to them uh-huh. and makes their life a living hell. But 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 by increments. And this is one of the things I tell sure. everybody. You know, sometimes everybody thinks of the Hollywood version, like three days later, you know, things mm-hmm. are flying around in your house. I said, no, this thing works very, very mm-hmm. subtly. Little by little, a month later, two months later, your life, everything starts going down in all areas. And I guarantee well, you that about thing. six you, months later or a year, perception. you go back to the point right. of origin. And I bet you that was the point uh-huh. of origin. Well, the, the perception is, is that anything and everything has to work on a clock. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the fact of the fact of reality is, is that our clock, our 24 hour day is man-made. It's something that we program ourselves to respond to too right. but when you're dealing with something that we can't even fully explain 
how on earth can you apply our own logic and our own time frame and our own schedules? It, it just that in and of itself, if you're expecting immediate results at all times and that this is just a one time face to face and then it's gone and then that's that, then you, you just shouldn't be doing what you're doing because you're not understanding the scope of what it is that you're venturing into. No. It, you know, we're, we're not dealing with our three, three-dimensional reality. We're just not. It's not. And a lot of people, you know, they're going in it for the thrills or they, like you said, because they really don't understand the concept behind it. Now, let me ask mm-hmm. you, which, by the way, after that experience, what happened when here you go, you go on this investigation, you get a fantastic EVP, but within a, less than a month, a friend of yours has, sounds like, passed away from one day to mm-hmm. the next, for lack of a better word. Did that ever mm-hmm. make you pause and think, was there a connection between where you had been at and what happened to him? Um, it did. Of course it did. Because we, we had never, it, it actually turned out to be a, a pretty fruitful investigation on the audio side. We didn't have a whole lot going on that was really in your face at the mm-hmm. time. And so we discovered most of it after the fact. But some of the stuff that we discovered, it was mostly negative. And, you know, that was the first time that we had ever done this. Okay. And so, you know, when there's such a drastic result yeah. shortly following what we did, um, of course I had to ask myself, I mean, what what am I getting myself into? Exactly. I was about to say, so obviously you went forward, but I'm sure it made you consider right. really hard, like, is this well, a good idea? Well, of course idea? it did. And, and that's, you know, and that's, that's always that's always been my approach is, you know, with this type of work and and when you start to experience certain things and you put yourself out there in an attempt to help people that have problems, you know, you have to, you have to just reconcile the fact that you're going to eventually, you're going to have to deal with whatever it is that you're out there looking for. People think about how, but they have no idea what potentially could happen afterwards. And so, you know, in both of my books, kind of dive into a lot of aspects of that. I have never been one that parades myself as some sort of an expert. As a matter of fact, if you apply the word expert to yourself and you're in this field of research, then I call you a sham immediately. Because I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care what the results are. All I'm saying is you can't explain what we're all trying to explain. I don't care who you are. Yeah. So there is no expert by oh, definition. absolutely not. There's absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's and too so much that's to not me, known. Part of my books is to educate people about the fact that this is not all TV, glamour, and roses. I, I fully admit my shortcomings and my idiocy to that extent. I mean, I, uh, that first, that tell you, I was a moron and that was part of the reason that I wanted it published because I brought terrible things on myself. And so people need to learn from that and say, whoa, you know, rather than saying, well, this guy's a moron. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's the whole point is that, you know, yeah. I had to learn, I had to develop my skills and everything else throughout these processes. And as I did, I won't make certain mistakes again. I can guarantee you that. Oh, sure. And so, 
you know, I, I've never wanted to try to come across to anybody as some sort of a self-proclaimed expert or anything to that effect. I just tell you, look, here's what I do. I have my theories and this is mm-hmm. how I approach it and come along with me. I'm going to tell you how it goes. That's what my books are. Um, but it doesn't always end well. That's for sure. And I don't always have the answers. That's for sure. But right. it's something that I'm passionate about and it's something that I feel like I'm very good at. Uh, but certainly you'll never catch me calling myself any sort of an expert. That's for sure. Well, and, and, and that's the thing, and you, and you made a good point, because the truth is that for all we think we know, even then, there's a lot we don't know. We don't know. Sure. Um, and It's all theory. And yeah, every last exactly. bit of it is theory. And every time, and, 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 and this is, you know, I've told everybody, you know, you could, there's no shortcut, especially in this field for experience. You could read all the books you want, you know, all the books you want. That's but right. you really, where you really gain the experience is in the field work. Either going to places that have nothing, or like you said, doing stuff that you think I'll never do that again. You know, mm-hmm. that's and there's no shortcut to it. And I mean, I've even said it, you know, on some of my other shows, especially to people that are looking either to join a group or to mm-hmm. use a group, like they need help. I said, first of all, you need to look at somebody, some group that's had a little bit of longevity. Okay, because a lot of the mm-hmm. groups they dissolve really quick. I said because chances are that if it's a group that's been around for a while. They've learned things that you only learn oh, yeah. by doing this for a while. And by mean by a while, at least for two, sure. three, four years, um, because there's just things that no matter how much you plan for it, you don't figure it out till you're right there mm-hmm. in the middle of it. Right. Um, and now let well, me ask and, you. And just when I start. Yeah, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just, just kind of on that point. Uh, just when I start thinking, you know, that I've experienced so many amazing things and everything else, and you almost feel like, well, what else is there? <laughs> something brand new. Yeah, something brand new just slaps you right upside the face. Oh, yeah. And something that you don't even comprehend. And so that's been one of the, well, more more I guess more frightening things that I've kind of gone through over the years but at the same time it's also one of the things that makes me keep going out um is is the fact that you can you can read all the books check out all the websites do whatever you need to do but you're never going to have a full grasp of what personal experience can teach you and so that's that's why you know my little goal here is to try to help people and help educate people and to tell stories, I, I love the stories. These, mm-hmm. A lot of times these are forgotten stories that I think shouldn't be forgotten, uh, which is a really good example of why I wrote the second book, because it's a story that gets swept under the rug. But I think it's, it's atrocious that we as humans uh, sweep these things under the rug. These stories need to be out there. And so the historical aspect is something that draws me in, but then also these very unique personal experiences you know, I'm not, I don't claim that to turn a skeptic into a believer. I truthfully couldn't care less who believes what. Right, exactly. You know, when you read my books, it's not my job to convince you to believe anything. I really don't care. You know, did you enjoy the story? That's my question. You know, do you feel like that story was worth telling? I really don't care if you believe it. I was there, and I, I choose to share that. Mm-hmm. But whether you believe it or not, 
that is, I don't have time for all that. I, I don't have time to try to well, convince somebody that won't be convinced. That's, that's not my game. And you know what? You make a very good point, and I tell everybody this. When you've had your own personal experience, whether you were able to capture it, you know, on anything or not, you just had the experience with your eyes and your ears and you know it. Mm -hmm. And you already mm -hmm. went through your checklist of things that it's not that. Like, okay, you know how you do this checklist of it's not that, it's not the wind, it's not whatever. And you realize sure, in your, in your, for yourself, this is, was paranormal, this was whatever it was. It's like, that's it. You've proven it to yourself, like you said, whether anybody ever believes you or not. Okay, uh -huh. you know what you experienced. And I think mm -hmm. that for people who actually have that experience, it does, there's like a paradigm shift uh, of your reality inside of mm -hmm. you as to what's out there. You might not oh, yeah. know totally, but you know this is not of this world. This is not normal sure. or this is not explainable by mm -hmm. natural, uh, a natural mm -hmm. source. You know it. Okay. Well, and that's and that's what's so amazing when you're working with people that that deal with these experiences almost on a daily basis for years and years, mm -hmm. and they've convinced themselves that they're crazy because everybody from the outside looking in claims that they are, but then when we're there, and we can experience something with them or something that they've described to us, the the look of just relief oh, on their yeah. face is, yes. is completely priceless. Yes, because they understand that they're not alone. You know that these these things are difficult to explain, and and just by by our nature, you know, we we don't typically just knee jerk believe everything that we hear just because we we weren't there, which is perfectly fine. Sure. But in my opinion, being a hardcore just diehard skeptic is one of the laziest jobs I know of in the world. <laughs> Because it's it's not hard to sit online and say, BS, prove it to me. Well, why don't you get up off of your butt and go out there and, you know, do what you got to do. But Find you, out if it's real. Find but, out if it's not. But you know what, Brandon? I'm going to tell you, and this is one thing that I tell everybody. I said, you know what? A lot of people, and I'm not going to say all. I can't speak for a lot, everybody, but... You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, people are paranormal investigators, you know, they're willing to believe anything. I mm -hmm. said, no, I'm I'm the biggest skeptic there is. Believe me, after you've seen and heard so many things, you have a list of things that before I actually say, OK, we got something going on here. Believe me, I'm, I'm a pretty good skeptic, but I'm out there doing the work, like you said, and I'm quick to realize, right. OK, this is not this, this, this right. or that. So, OK, mm -hmm. now I'm dealing with this, but I don't jump at anything and automatically think, oh, it's paranormal, it's a ghost, it's whatever. It's of like, course not, not really. Absolutely. Because after a while, when, when you go and you're out in the field, you find- there's a lot of people find, that do this that are. There's a million things that some, sometimes could, you know, make a noise, uh, sometimes even give you a cold spot. It, I mean, there's a million sources of things, but after a while you, you, and that's where the experience thing comes in, where you realize, no, mm -hmm. there's something here you know, especially if you investigate a little bit, like you said, like you do the work mm -hmm. and you, you realize, okay, now we've got either, you know, something definitely is going on, whether, like I said, whether it's residual or an intelligent or whatever the case might be. And then you take sure. it to the next step. But absolutely, uh, being a paranormal investigator, you're a skeptic in there. You, you've got a, I mean, I'm a skeptic, but, but because that's my own inner, um, uh, skepticism that I think all paranormal investigators should have because you're always going to run into sure. situations where it isn't supernatural. It's not a ghost. Yeah, you know, it could be. Right. 
It could be just natural stuff, or even sometimes you will even get people that, unfortunately, nowadays they're so thrilled that they got a haunted house that they make up stuff. <laughs> right. So, right. absolutely, and, and, I know exactly you know, where and, you're coming from as far as, but it's really easy, like, you know, when you're uh, out in the, you know, saying, knocking every theory down, but you don't go out there and do the work either. Sure, which is perfectly fine. I mean, everybody's entitled to, oh, sure. you know, think what they want to think. And so, I, I, you know, I don't get offended, but, you know, in the end, like I said, I, I, if I were to if I were to lose sleep over trying to convince people of things that, that frankly, I I still look back on a lot of my experiences and still can't make full sense of it. And so if I'm going to try to convince somebody of that, that, that's just a complete waste of my time. I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's no point in that whatsoever. And so that's, that's the thing about my approach to telling these stories is I just simply want to, put that story out there. There's always a reason for the story that I, the reason I want to put it out there, those reasons do vary depending on the story. But in the end, it's certainly not to convince people to believe in ghosts. I I just don't care. I, you know, I I don't care what my neighbor, what church my neighbor attends, but I still care about he or she as my neighbor. Oh, sure. Of course. Of course. Like, right. Yeah. You know how to Leave aside one thing, one thing, you know, doesn't make the person, in other words. Well, we're all human, and, yeah. and, and our mindsets our mindsets are developed from completely different life experiences, mm-hmm. and that's why I think differences need to be more embraced rather than a source of combativeness. Sure. You know, everybody's going to be different. And, you know and that's what, where, if we were all the same, know, it'd be really boring. <laughs> Exactly. And so, but, but now, unfortunately, those differences are just turning into points of, of just an antagonistic uh, anger or toward each other. You're, you're not like me. And so you must be bad. And, And that's just, it could not be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things about working with people, uh, in this field, and I'm talking about my clients is that I have worked with everybody from a Satanist all the way down to a Jew, mm-hmm. Catholics, Native Americans. I mean, name it across the board. Sure. And and I have learned I have learned valuable information and valuable perspective from every single one of them. Sure. And because I, because when I'm working with these people, I need to know who they are and why they come from the angle they come from. It's not for judgment purposes. Exactly. It's for knowledge. It, it, it can help lead us in the right direction. Well, and I th- so I, like I said, I, as long as people are just good, I just don't care about their belief system. I, you know, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to just simply understand and, and tell a story and try to help in any way that I can, whatever that may be. Well, you know what, Brandon? It sounds like you're one of these people that is not caught up in being right. Because that's what happens. A lot of people sometimes get caught up in being right. So if they're well, right, I'm wrong and, more and, often and other than people I'm are right. wrong, and so, it's like, yeah. You know, there's... <laughs> that's, that's, you know, and I think, I, I, I think that is something that I was blessed with yeah. that I didn't understand at the time was the fact that I did travel all over the world at, at an early young age and was able to see a lot of different cultures and societies right. and experience 
you know, I experienced all kinds of different things that most people just can't come out of their shell to understand because they just haven't had that experience, which sure. is fine. But but I try to apply that open mindedness to everything that I do. And that's why I don't care, you know, whether I think your religion is right or wrong. I, I just don't care. Not. Most of the time when I'm working with people, they don't even know my religion. I don't put it out there just right. to, you know, just to have it out there because that's not, that's not what I'm there for. You know, they don't need me. I'm not there to preach. I'm not there to convert. And that, that's the same goes with the skeptic. I'm not there to convert you. I just don't care. Well, I think the truth is that we are more also than, you know, than just our religious beliefs, or at least you should be flexible enough. Okay. Or fluid enough to be able mm -hmm. to dialogue have a relationship whatever you want to call it with somebody that's not of your same religious belief or anything it's like otherwise you're a very rigid person and mm -hmm. usually doomed to be very unhappy <laughs> but I'm, I'm a yeah. big believer in uh flexibility is the key to happiness and i mean across the board whether you know whatever your belief systems sure. are and even sure. even in this type of Absolutely. work when you go into somebody's house let's say somebody calls mm -hmm. you in on an investigation and they're saying i need help mm -hmm whatever, let's say they're having some type of event or something going on, they don't understand. You know, mm -hmm. if you're a really rigid person and you go in, how are you going to help this family if they're different from who you are or what your belief system is? Right. You can't, you can't, right. you got to be flexible and you got to be open and you got to listen to what they're telling you uh, without mm -hmm. some type of prejudice as in, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a difference between listening to somebody and saying, do, is there a crisis going on in the family? mental illness right. or is there really something event going on there's that's different that's just differentiating the story but not when they're mm -hmm. genuinely telling you of something that's going on or the experiences that the family members have had especially if it's more than one person you know if you're not open-minded sure. you're not going to be very successful in this type of field at all as far as helping people that is right right well and and i have i have scaled back um, I have scaled back my private cases for mm -hmm. a number of reasons. A, a lot of them are personal. Um, and, and of course, anybody is always welcome to contact me. And if I feel like I can help, I, I'll certainly be happy to. If not, I, I do have a very small, reliable group of people that I would refer. Um, but, I, you know, just as I've gone on, uh, it's more of a personal like I said, a, a personal thing that um, I have tended to back away a little um, because I feel an, an, an extreme amount of dedication um, that sometimes I just can't provide. Um, okay. And I don't want to, I won't take on Sure. A, a, a scenario that I can't, you know, I, I, I used to have the time and the ability to dedicate. I mean, I was making two hour back and forth drive, you know, two hours wow. each way yeah. to a home for, for six months. And I was down there two to three times a week, that's a, but that's, I was still holding a full-time job. That's a strain. That's but that strain. was before I was, well, it was before I was married and, yeah. you know, now my wife and I have, a, you know, we've got multiple kids together and then we've got the two year old between us. And, it, you know, it's yeah. and so I, it, it's very difficult yeah. for me to dedicate what I feel like. Yeah, because I, I, I don't want to shortchange anybody that's having these not. problems. Of course not. You know, and, that, and that's and another so, thing you hear of some teams and I'm sure you've heard it. They go in there, especially 
if they've got something really, really genuine going on, and they'll go in there and tell you, mm -hmm. yeah, and then they like leave the people hanging, like, okay, what do we do now? You know, it's like, well, 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 they got well, the the team got their EVPs and they're on their way, right? Exactly, it, 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 and and that's and and again, I keep I keep my. I guess I, I'll, you know, my air quotes are up my professional circle when it comes to this sort of thing. I keep my little circle very little, um, and that's by absolute design because there's just too much negativity that goes around in all directions. And to be honest with you, I've just ran into certain people and groups that I just can't. I can't have that energy around me. I can't do it. And so, you know, my little group of people, and that's why I don't, you know, I'm not out there pursuing a TV show and all this kind of stuff. That's why I prefer to put my experiences on paper. Let me ask you something. Then, what, when you, mm -hmm. what happened, and, and, and because it sounds like, it sounds like, and this is what I'm, because I know you've written the two books, but it sounds like you've had so many experiences, Brandon, that mm -hmm. after you had that, that wow moment where you had the EVPs and then your friend uh, like dies like unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you had this moment. Okay. What do I do? What you obviously, you, it sounds like you based your, your books on actual experiences that you had. Oh, um, uh, both books are based on cases that I worked. Exactly. So what happened after mm -hmm. that? You started going to other cases and then you ran into a, a one, the one that you based the book on, or did some time go by before you actually went into that case where you decided to write the book about it? Well, at the time, shortly after we started, we were all over the place. We were very, uh, we had a lot of work going on with different, we were doing a lot of home work with investigations within homes. Okay. Um, and so that was something that we, we all made the time for and had the ability to do. Now the two that ended up being books, um, in all honesty, I felt like those two particular cases somewhat found me rather than the other way around. Sure. Um, and so the way that things kind of went down and, and took place um, for very different, but, but extreme reasons, I felt it was very important to tell both stories. Now, the first one, I'll be honest with you, you know, it's it's funny because I'll be the first to admit when when it got published or when I was approached about it getting published, I had no idea that I was writing a book. Probably 75% of that book was written just based on post, uh, uh, post work notes because okay. I write extensive notes after every time we go out. Okay. And um, so it ended up, I got the offer to have it published. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I put a lot of, I put a lot of trust in that publishing process into the wrong people. I did not take the reins myself because it's a huge endeavor. Um, it, I'll be honest. I feel like that book reads um, very amateurish as far as, um, you know, there's a lot of editing. Okay. Um, I, and so that bothered me a little bit, but at the same time, I still felt like the story was very much worth having out there, but I just didn't take the time to put it on myself to really fine tooth comb it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it came out. I think the story is a good story. Um, it was a very extreme story. And so, 
Um, but if you're looking for Stephen King writing, it's not there. Um, the second one, I the second one, I had edited three times front to back myself before okay. it ever touched my publisher's desk, and so it reads a lot more. You know what I know but exactly. But it came what down to mean. both. Uh huh. Well, you know, and and I'll be honest. Well, like I said, when I sit down after probably a twelve-hour investigation and probably a well, in this instance, it was a three-hour drive both ways. Um, and so you're talking about you're awake for somewhere between sixteen and twenty hours, and just the adrenaline alone, typing I don't know how many words a minute, but a lot of that information was just simply thrown down there. And so there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Now it, it got cleaned up, mm -hmm. um, but it, it, in my writing, I've always had this tendency to change tenses, you know. Yeah. And so it. It's like one second, it's past tense, the next is present. It's really annoying to read, and I've driven myself crazy. But, you know, I guess the point was is that the story in and of itself needed to be told. It, you know, the, the basis of the story, this gentleman, he was deaf. And what was in the house, I think, quickly understood that, you know, the running up the stairs, the banging on the walls, the, the your standard you know, haunted house, quote mm -hmm. unquote, noises, just simply he, he, he was totally oblivious. Okay. And so it, it, it tended to get extremely physical and it turned out to be something that really, for the most part, didn't even make an effort to hide itself. It, it, you know, if you wanted to play, it was there to play and it would happily oblige. And that's where I made a lot of mistakes. And so I wrote about those and I wrote about the results and I wrote about the ramifications that I think and this was 10 years ago. And um, so so for me, having that story told, I, you know, I knew I was kind of putting myself out there mm -hmm. um, for a lot of criticism. Um, and But I'm perfectly fine with that because, like I said, one of the biggest driving forces behind putting it out there right. was that I, I need people that want to go out and do this. I need them to understand that there are, ramifications there yeah. are consequences sure and so at the time I didn't take those consequences seriously but there were experiences that woke me up real quick and so um, you know but again it, it helped me to be better at what I do and so that's why that story was so important for me uh, to have out there and Let me I, ask you, you know, when, but, when when this gentleman yeah. and I don't know how much was it someplace he moved into that you think that that was there already when he moved into it or well the the family his family had actually owned it on two separate uh two separate occasions uh when he was a child he spent many years growing up in that house um they, they ended up moving out because it was they were creeped out it was so active wow. um you know he he was the only one that was really deaf and so the rest of the family had always heard constant noises and voices and all this okay. stuff. So eventually they moved out. And when he got a little older, he just decided, because it, it, they still had it within the family, but it sat uh, totally abandoned. Uh, and back in the 80s, it, it was kind of the hangout. Like a lot of people would sneak in, and there was a lot of like satanic graffiti and things okay. like that down in the basement. Um, and so who knows what kind of stuff happened back when it was abandoned. Sure. But anyway, the family reacquired it, and he decided that he was going to go ahead and move in there because none of the stuff that had happened really bothered him. He yeah, when he was a kid, okay. You know, 
Right. And so he was just living there by himself. And, um, you know, for a, a period of time, it worked out okay. And then it just got very physical and violent. And that's when uh, his cousin actually reached out to me. And so he and I, um, the gentleman that had lived there, uh, he and I actually, of course, we kind of, we, our main communication was by text message. And, but he and I talked extensively and, um, you know, the one thing to this day that he has ever heard in his entire life, um, it's just the craziest thing. When we were doing our walkthrough, when we had just gotten there, he had shown us the bathroom and he was kind of trying to explain that in the bathroom, the only thing that he had ever heard is in, in his entire life was somebody screaming in his ear while he was taking a shower and he nearly broke his neck falling down because I... it scared him so bad. Oh my God. That is incredible. And so, well, and my thought was, can you just imagine the one thing yeah. that you ever hear in your entire lifetime is something that's pure terror. And yeah, I still, I still, I can't, wow. I can't entirely grasp it. You know, like he, he's a great guy. He's very well adjusted. He's funny. He's, he lives a normal life. But in this instance, I can just only imagine that's the one thing that he just can recall, you know, that, that, that's the one time that he had heard something and he said that it just screamed in his ears. <laughs> no, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh God, of all the things that, right. and th Not did you ever do any, I mean, or, you know, prior to the family owning it originally, were they the original owners or had it been? No. No, originally the house was, and it was actually a uh, mortuary. It was a, oh it was my a funeral God. home. It was a mortuary? Uh -huh. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. And so way way back in the day when it was actually erected, I don't oh, 20s or 30s, I can't remember exactly. Okay. Um, but the gentleman that had, had it built was a mortician, and his his wife at the time, way back when, had actually mysteriously disappeared. Um, and, it, you know, he, he was kind of the, apparently just one of these odd ducks, odd, you know, these kind of weird people. And so I think he was the subject of a lot of rumors around town because, of course, back then we didn't have the Internet or cable to entertain uh -huh. us, so we picked out the odd duck. And they entertained us with these crazy stories we could make up. And um, But sure enough, there was always rumors of, uh, really, I guess, poor conduct when it came to the corpses and, um, you know, all these different things. Yeah. And, and, you know, separating fact from fiction obviously is a big thing, but, you know, one way or the other, I can say that there had been an established energy in that home yeah. that was absolute pure evil. It just was, it was just, um, there was no, no in between. There, there was no uh, forgiveness. There was no nothing. It was just pure nasty. And that was my that was my first personal up close experience with what I felt to be um, any sort of a demonic type presence. Um, right. You know, I, I know a lot of people eh, that word gets thrown around a lot. Um, and I do feel like it's much fewer and farther between than we necessarily have come to to think or, or believe. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like 
in its truest form, that was as evil as it gets. It's very difficult sometimes for human beings to realize that there's beings out there that have no moral compass, none. Oh, none. Oh, yeah. As much as we would talk it, about it, psychopaths anything, and stuff. strength with pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, people have a hard time. Because I hate to say it, even nowadays, you look at these shows. Let, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. Mm -hmm. You know, that move, uh, that show Dexter, he's a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever uh -huh. he was. And sure. They always kind of gave him a yeah. moral compass because he had attachments, emotional attachments, and he only killed criminals. But that's like... Right. That's like a that's like fantasy land. People have a hard time of realizing that there's something that doesn't understand pity or mercy, something that you can't uh -huh. negotiate with, okay, right. or make deals with. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. some people have that. That's totally alien. And what you're describing is exactly that. Which well, and and to to top off exactly what you're saying, to top it off, these things are so intelligent. They know exactly what your trigger is. They know exactly yes. what scares you. They know exactly how to affect you. Mm -hmm. These things, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, this is psychological warfare. You know, yes. these things, This is their game is not to respond to your EVP session. That's not their game. No. Their game is to climb inside your head and over the course of a decade force you to go insane. By any means necessary. Okay. They want and I to. think eventually you start seeing suicides. You yes. start seeing yes. murders. Yes. And, I, you know, I, I mean, when you, when you ask for something, when you dive into something, and you think that you are the big tough guy girl, <laughs> yeah, and, and you think that you're going to go ahead and just handle evil in its purest then I, I wish you luck. I will pray for you, but you have no idea. You cannot wrap your mind around the force and the 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 level of like you said. There is no there's no negotiating. There's no. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I take it back. Well, you no. know what? What they what it wants, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to refer to it as something that's non-human. What it wants mm -hmm. is your corruption. Okay. And to corrupt somebody, especially if this person is not corrupted, in other words, you're. by this I don't mean you're a goody-two-shoes, you're a normal human being, but you're not corrupted, mm -hmm. you know. To corrupt somebody like that, like you said, you don't do it overnight. No. Okay. No, of course not. It takes so what's, the, what's the fun in that? Of course not. It's, it, yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's when you're at your most vulnerable, something like that will strike. And... You know, and that's and and that's just something that we can't really comprehend on a regular basis because no. it's just not normal for us. Wow. You know, we we read books and we watch movies, and the thing is, is books and movies don't they 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 don't have the ability to dive into those experiences just because they those are not reality. So and what we're dealing something. with is something that's not a common reality. Brandon, what happened when you went into this investigation and mm -hmm. at some point you're here to help this poor guy? What Did anything happen to you? Or I'm, in other words, because I'm sure, and I don't know if I'm wrong, because I have not read your book where it tried to do something to like either scare you or chase you off or your team. 
Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's where we get to talk about my mistakes. Um, you know, I, I do take steps to attempt to protect myself every time I go out. Okay. Um, I skipped those steps one time and it actually turned out to be the last time I had ever gone down there. Okay. It actually, well, it, that night it attached itself to me and assaulted me at my own home. And so to the point of making me wonder whether or not, not only did I want to keep investigating, but whether or not I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that was, uh, I mean, again, to Joe Blow reading that story, they're going to say, what kind of a moron, you know, puts himself in this type of position. And, and, and knowing darn well that that's coming when I was writing it, I felt like I had to, I had to do it. I had to write it. Mm -hmm. I had to own it because I brought it on myself. I mean, I, I all but asked for it. I, as a matter of fact, I'll just flat out say I asked for it. I said, do this, do something. Well, it did. Oh, you did that? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm oh, just... it did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, I, you know, that's, and that's the whole thing is uh, a lot of people approach this time and, mm-hmm. and they don't care yes. what, what they do or the method that they approach. All they're doing is they're trying to get a reaction and they're right. trying to film the reaction. Yes, exactly. And, and that's, that's, that's my whole point is I, I, I did that. I used to do it a lot. And a lot of times I got great evidence out of it, mm-hmm. but it's not, I mean, uh, but in the end, I, I needed people to understand that you care for what you wish for, because if you get it, you're, you're not going to understand what's coming until it hits you. And it hits you like nothing has ever hit you before. And so um, that's why I needed that story to be out there. Absolutely. Let me ask you something. Was there only this one entity there or considering no, what the history no. had been, was there more stuff there? No, this is this was something that I would typically refer to as something to the level of a soul collector. Oh, um, wow. And they and um well, and yeah. And and so no, there there were tortured souls just probably crawling out of the walls and there, there was also i mean it was it was extremely intelligent um but there was also there was a shred of good there and there was also a lot of residual there and so it was just the house was just this almost tornado of energy and but but obviously the overwhelming thing was just this massive darkness that was just so powerful um, but no, I, I felt as though there there were many trapped souls there because in our audio and everything else, we you know whether the, whether there was some mimicking going on or mm-hmm. pretending or deception or anything like that. But right. I didn't feel that that was the case. I felt like there was um, an abundance of personality there. It was very multiple okay. personality. Um, but but when the darkness came out, everything else stopped. It came to the forefront, and it did what it wanted or needed to do. Um, and so, no, I, I felt like I felt like that. And I, I do. I feel like that was something that likely would have been conjured 
Um, okay. Which then meant I had no idea if it was even possible to do anything about it, being okay. that typically if something's conjured, mm-hmm. either the person that conjures it or a reversal of whatever method was used to conjure said yeah. being uh-huh. needs to be involved. And there there was just simply no way of knowing that. I mean, there was just no way to know. Right. And and so, like I said, I, it got me to the point where I didn't know if I was going to live or die. And so, and you know what? He had, the gentleman that had been living there, it was about a week prior to that night, he left the house and he swore off it forever. He's never been back since. He just he, left. I was about to ask you, because mm-hmm. I know where you're going with this. Is this. I'm thinking, how could anybody live there? Nobody does now, but the people that owned it actually rented it to several families even after he left, and they all, well, everybody that moved in would only be there for a month or two, and now I think the city owns it, and it's in ruins. Um, It should just be torn down, so... Well, but and you know what? It's really interesting based on what you're telling me that it, this was a product of some uh, something that was conjured there. In other words, it was uh-huh. it was invoked. Well, that's my opinion. Right now, you're pretty much on the money. It makes you wonder. Obviously, this was because I know you said that there was a point that it was abandoned, but it sounds considering that when mm-hmm. his family originally was there, they had their mm-hmm. experiences. You would think that that was there mm-hmm. prior to that time that it was abandoned. So. Um, you know, I, I think I think the likelihood of there being activity there um, ever since the original owner, I think the likelihood of that is extremely high. Yeah. Just, just given the circumstances, you know, I mean, how many how many funeral homes and mortuaries and things of that nature would would you walk into and expect not to have at least some sort of an altered energy? somewhere around of course even if it's you know even uh, if it's transition emotion alone oh yeah the emotion alone just the you know the emotion of the people that visit these places alone uh it's so palpable it's you know it would be nearly impossible to think that absolutely nothing is out of the ordinary there and so i feel like there i feel like it was almost a magnet to whatever may have happened while it was abandoned you yes. see what I'm saying? I, oh, I feel sure. like Absolutely. I feel like there, I feel like the the groundwork had been laid, and then somebody I think just kind of dropped the bomb. Sure. And Absolutely. and then from there, I think that opened up whatever this doorway or portal or whatever whatever you want to call it. I think that's kind of how that went down. And and, and like I said, I, I, let me tell you something that's incredible that he actually and 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 you made a good point. I guess when he was younger, and he was there, but mm-hmm. he was deaf. He kind of like didn't mm-hmm. get hit full force, and that's why he went back there. Oh yeah, he had no fear of the place whatsoever when he moved back in a second time. None. Wow. Everybody else was a little bit queasy about going there because they used to hear things all the time and everything else. And that's why I tell you, I feel like, in a manner of speaking, I think, I think there was a lot of energy left behind just mm-hmm. just from what the place originally was. But then when something was brought in, energy was just on another level. Um, And so I think it just fed on that energy that was already there. Oh, I'm sure. And um, I mean, there could have, 
let me tell you something. That mortician, maybe not. You know, we don't we don't want to put it on the poor guy because maybe all he did was just being a mortician. Right. And somebody's got to do it. But the thing that his Fair wife enough. disappeared Absolutely. mysteriously is not a good thing either. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, there, there was. There was a lot of, you know, there, there was a lot of little uh, weird nuances that came with that story. I can only really do so much digging because there was really only so much that was published, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so you're going on a lot of word of mouth, and then you're going on word of mouth from generations. And so... Who knows what was cooked up? I was able to confirm the address was used for that purpose when it was originally built. I know that for sure. Um, as far as the gentleman himself, that I can't, I don't, he was never convicted of anything. Right. Um, there was a lot of suspicion and, and I think there was a lot of investigation, but I mm-hmm. don't know that he was ever convicted of anything. Well, yeah, and also, and I mean, I don't know what year that happened, but back then, no body, no crime. It's not like now that they can right. convict you on circumstantial evidence. Back then, if, you know, right, you could say, hey, there she ran off with a boyfriend and left me. So mm-hmm. that's that. So, yeah. Well, and one of our one of our theories was is that she was buried underneath the house. There, there Well, it's kind of hard to explain because the way the house stood, there was this basement part of the structure but then there was kind of a cement wall that was kind of a load-bearing wall but there was also about a two-foot separation between that and the the under part of the house at least you know that carried under part of it and one of my buddies who is very sensitive and i've i've actually proven him to be and talk about skeptical I am very skeptical of anybody that's going to tell me this happened here and this person. And, you know, I, the psychic thing, I, mm-hmm. I just don't know. And so I, I test him more than I would ever test anybody. And I run him through the ringer. <laughs> but when I get anything that, well, but the thing is, is oftentimes his story ends up correlating 90% of the time. And so, sorry, apparently we've got drag racists. Um, Anyway, you know, he his thought he was and he was very just set on it. She is buried somewhere under there. And you know, surprised. that of course that of course is a nearly impossible feat to I mean, if you take that to a small town sheriff department, you pretty much get laughed out the door, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and that was, let me tell you something, that people, you know, in, in modern times, you know, with what we've got now with DNA evidence and this and that, and like I said, people now, you know, let's say somebody disappears and even though the body's not found, some people end up, mm-hmm. if not convicted, at the very least arrested because suspicion, put, but back in those years, okay, especially like not now that they can like, you know, find you wherever, uh, people would say, hey, this person left. She left me. She ran off with a boyfriend. Right. She told me I'm tired mm-hmm. of you. And if nobody ever produced the body, like you said, they could suspect them and there could be innuendos and things around town. Sure. But that would be the end of it. That was it. Right. Right. And so there was. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of kind of, I guess, loose ends uh, with that story. I mean, not not, not to mention the fact you know, I mean, I I have never been back there. Uh, I'm invited. I'm not to that point though. I think eventually maybe I'll go back. Okay. Um, but I haven't. But at this point, no. I mean, the answer is no. 
I am not, you know, I, I, I feel like, yeah, there's gotta be at least a little bit of crazy in all of us that are out there doing this, but (laughs) there's a, there's a big difference between crazy and dumb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And And also self-preservation. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And and so, you know, eventually who knows this guy, at least at the very least you helped this person, this guy who I guess said, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Whatever it is can keep the house. That's it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and he and I, to this day, we still communicate here and there. We're still good buddies. But, um, yeah, it and, and that's it, well, one of the big benefits about doing this sort of thing with people is you do tend to develop these because you have affected their life. Mm-hmm. differently than anybody else you know right. and so and so to me that that's a that's a big thing because i'd have never had any reason whatsoever to even cross this guy's path and so um, but it turns out we we really kind of experienced some things together that you know we will always just hold between us and you know to me that's that's a a big bonus as far as you know, some side effects of what we do, mm-hmm. um, you know, be, because you can, and he knows, you know, he, he did, he was one of those people that had that, that relief. When I told him, I said, you know, you're not crazy. You, you know, this is not, not only are you not crazy, but I can't fathom how you were able to deal with this for as long as you did. How long, how you long know? was he there the second time? Um, I mean, four years. How, four years. Now it got, well, it escalated, you know, okay, I, yeah. I think it started, it started at the point where it, little nuances and annoyances and things of that nature. And then eventually this thing just wanted attention. It wanted, it wanted him to acknowledge the fact that it was there. And it also wanted to prove the point that it was in charge. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, um, he ended up hospitalized and that's what, that's what ended up drawing us down there. That's what he had his cousin reaching out to us because he ended up in the hospital with a concussion. And, um, wow. uh, so, so that, and you know, that was near the end and we were going down there regularly, pretty constantly for, I think our investigation lasted somewhere between four and six months. Let me ask you, did um, either, did, mm-hmm. did any of your team members or him, did you guys ever see anything or was it just, you know, auditory or, or experiences oh or... no yeah. oh no i i had never seen shadows like well what looks like shadows um i had never seen a blacker than black color walk and move and come and go until this place and it was everywhere oh. and yeah oh yeah we there and it was you know the the one thing that i did not get a lot of other than knocking and sounds of footsteps i did not get like disembodied voices but mm-hmm. it was very audible through evp very audible through evp okay. um but but not something we were hearing audibly with our ears at the time and so i spent a an absurd amount of time diagnosing and and going through reviewing uh tons of audio when we would come back from a trip and um and it was it was constant, you know, and, and you know, the, between just, as a matter of fact, and it was very drawn to him. 
Oh. We were down in the this. I was very drawn to him. When he was there, everything would just escalate. And um, now, now I will say this: since he's left, he has been perfectly fine. He has not been bothered. He has not had any more experiences. Nothing. Yeah, it was about but that. But when he was in that house. Yeah, when he was in that house, uh, there, there was one piece of audio where he was downstairs with me, and he started to just get agitated for no reason. Um, but when I reviewed the audio, there were several voices that were almost taunting him, like whispering at him. And and um, and there was two or three voices at any given time, and it getting it kept getting more and more intense, and so did his reaction. Wow. And, and so, yeah, and so something like that really affected and and it wasn't too long after that that he ended up leaving, and I I can't even tell you the relief that I had for him when right. he just decided to cut ties, you know, because because I had no answers. I, right. I didn't, and and I and I I knew there were going to be a lot of people out there that said, well, here's what we need to do, but I I just didn't have a lot of faith in that, mm-hmm. and. I just simply didn't see a peaceful solution in that house for him. I, right. I don't think that he would have ever, ever been able to live a peaceful life in that house. Yeah. And you know Go. what? I, um, I'm not going to say that it happens all the time, but you know what? Mm-hmm. There are locations, like exactly like what you're describing, a place that the basis of it, because of what mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. that at some point, like, it's like forget the house blessing, forget the exorcism, forget all of that. Yeah. This is one of these places that you gotta abandon. And I'm not one for yeah. telling people to leave because I'm not. But there's some places no, like that never that forget it. Yeah, I would have never told him to leave. I never did, and I, I I never even gave him my opinion of him leaving. That was that was his life decision. That was completely up to him. I right. was there on invitation, and I shared information with him. I never once did I ever, and never would I ever, try to convince anybody that this is what you should do. I mean, as a matter of fact, I, there's a there's a show on. They'll flat out say you yes. need to leave, or you know, and and you know, who are we to exactly? Maybe you are the most, maybe you're the most talented psychic in the entire world, and maybe <laughs> you are spot on, and maybe you know exactly what you're doing and talking about. But who the hell am I to walk into someone's house and say, you need to go? I mean, yeah. are, are you kidding me? How, how, I can't hold that liability. I mean, no, we and have some to make people, our own you know, let me tell you something. This is, and I know what you're talking about. You know, can you imagine how difficult it would be mentally if you tell somebody that, but they really have no means of doing that? financially a lot oh, of, of reasons of and here you've kind of condemned them and let them know well oh it's it's devastating it would have to be the most devastating thing well this is all we have and you're saying that we have to get rid of it and we don't have the two thousand dollar down payment for this other place and right you know it's like it's like who who would i be to walk into anybody's home and say you gotta go now, now i will say this if it came down to it and if I have to tell that person that personally I won't spend any more time in this place and here's the reasons why. Sure. Now, now what they do with that information is That's entirely different. up to them. That's different. And so, 
you know, and, and, and I can, I can make recommendations. Maybe that, maybe it would be a good idea to seek this spiritual advisor. And the thing is, is his family had had a, a preacher come to the house who, who oh, really? only spent about eight. I think he was in there for about 10 minutes and then he left sick to his stomach and he would not come back. He wouldn't return their calls or anything else. Wow. This place was real. This place was legit. And so, but, you know, when you go to the people of faith that, that, you know, preach faith, and then they don't want to deal with whatever's Mm. behind those walls. That's bad. That's bad right there. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And so, and so quickly you run out of options. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you can call in and, and I've even had, I mean, not in, not in his case, but in another pretty intense case, I had another person call in another group. And the other group lasted about half a night in a home where we had been in and out. And that's, and I'll tell everybody I work with right up front. I am not a one night answer guy. I'm just not because I think anybody that presents themselves as a one night answer person or group is full of it. I I just think they're full of it. There's no way you can have all the answers. No, because it's just not an on demand thing. You could go one night and nothing, absolutely nothing happens. And then, then the, no. then you go the next week and everything's changed. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and so you know I I I tell everybody up front what you end up doing and and you know I'll provide as much information as I can but what you end up deciding this is your home this is sure. your life you're inviting me in here as a guest and I'm going to try to do my best to help you in any way I possibly can mm-hmm. and I'll even make suggestions along the way. Um, but you know, in the end, you're going to make the decisions and and that's not on me. I I can't, I can't do that for you because that would be irresponsible of me because I can't tell you without any question or doubt whatsoever that I'm right. I can't, I can tell you, I feel strongly about this, but I can't guarantee you that I'm right. There's no way I can. That goes back to the expert talk. I actually was doing a similar interview with a gentleman a year or two ago and, you know, he was talking about this expert and that. And when I when I kind of uh, barked back at you know, who are all these experts? Like, why, you know, wh- why is this a field of research still when we have so many experts around? I mean, what what exactly constitutes an expert? Is, is it 30 years of field experience? I mean, I can be bad at my job for 30 years and still have my job. Yeah. Uh, you know, it happens. It doesn't make me an expert. Okay. And so... You know, and and he equated it, he actually equated it to an athlete being a Hall of Fame caliber athlete at a sport, saying they're an expert at that sport. The difference being is one has a rule book, one has a certain set of skills, one has absolutes, and this is not anything like that. I was going to say, that's the one thing that's absolute is there are no absolutes in this. Exactly. And and that's what I told him. I was just like, man, I don't, I don't understand your, your rational or your rationale here like it, it there is no correlation exactly. <laughs> there just isn't and, and so you know if you want to call yourself because you host a radio show for five or six years you want to call yourself a paranormal expert because you interview all the paranormal investigators mm-hmm. and good for you if if that's what makes you sleep better at night then you do what you've got to do but it personally I just think that these things get thrown around as though oh, yeah. it's like a, it's like. 
it has nothing to do with research and it has nothing to do with answers. It has everything to do with getting on TV. Exactly. Or getting as many likes on Facebook as you can get, which I, I'm just not very active on the Facebook page. Shame on me because I try to be I try to be interactive. You know, if people reach out to me and talk to me and everything else, I try to I try to, you know, be interactive. But I'm just not I'm just not that person. I'm not going to be on many bestseller lists with my books because I, I'm not a marketer. You know, well, I want you know, it out there and I want it accessible, but I, I'm just not a marketer. Well, and this is the thing, Brandon, which is what I say, you know, when you go in there, let's say in your, let's say not even in a case as intense as what you were describing, let's say mm -hmm. something sure. where maybe it's just a regular, normal dead person, you know, hasn't moved mm -hmm. on for whatever sure. reason. It depends what you're yeah. going in there for. Like you said, mm -hmm. capture proof, help the family, find out what needs to be done to get this, you know, resolved. Um, mm -hmm. And that's different. But if you're going in there, like you said, for notoriety, Okay, then you're going to amp up and produce stuff and, you know, uh, uh, make things sometimes even worse than that it might possibly be. Because Absolutely. what you're looking for is, like you said, the wow moment, the shock value, uh -huh. not the, uh -huh. uh, okay, we validated that it, it, it is real. Like you said, you're not going crazy. Good news. Uh -huh. Now let's move on to what we can do about it. What are we dealing with? Okay, but that, that's right. a different caliber than, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to you know, describe something really scary and God that, that you're going to be like, Oh my God. And it's like, okay, but so who are you there for, for yourself? Like you said, your right. ratings, or are you uh -huh. really there to help this person or persons or, sure. you know, just to handle what's there? Because that's another thing. People don't realize that in this work, there's different levels. You go to some places and really what you've got there is just residual. All it is, is just a mm -hmm. loop that's just playing over. Sometimes it's just certain noises, like let's say walking up and down the stairs or certain smells, uh -huh. you know, like let's say at a certain time you get this smell of either bread baking or, or coffee, for example. And there's really right. nothing, there's no intelligence. There's just something that happens so many times that it's embedded in the mm -hmm. tapestry of that place. Okay. Right. On a metaphysical plane, people don't understand. It's not like the actual wall. It's the metaphysical fabric of that building or that place. Sure. But there's no intelligence. In yeah. other words, it's kind of wigs you out a little bit if you don't know what it is. But it's not mm -hmm. going to do anything to you. Um, right. And probably give it enough time, it might even fade eventually. Uh, and then, I you was going to say, usually the only thing that's going to fix something like that is time, if yeah, anything at all. Exactly. But yeah, it's not eventually dangerous. It just, it just uh, it, for it, all the time it, it happened, once gonna... it doesn't, it. And then, you know, you've got your. And then you've got. Sometimes you've got travelers, what I call, they're not really fixed to the place. They come, they came by. Maybe it's something having to do with the people there, not necessarily the structure, which is, that's a whole different thing, depending, because I don't know, have you ever had any investigations where you talk to people and once you really get talking to them, they start describing where just about every place they've been at, they've had some type of supernatural event. And then you realize, hey, it's not the place, it's you. <laughs> And there are attachments sure. to people. Absolutely. Yeah. No so, question about it. There's different no things. You can. It's not a one size fit all kind of kind of deal. Mm -hmm. uh, no, and, 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 well, and, and that's the thing. There's no perfect explanation oh, for no, any of it. Oh, no, no, no. And, and you know so, what? I, I tell people something as far as solutions that they'll go, oh, you're kidding. I go, yeah. The the kiss, the kiss, you know, keep it simple, silly. I'll say in silly. Uh -huh. 
which is uh-huh. number one, and I know sometimes it's don't be scared, laugh a lot, have a good time. Uh-huh. If you start getting all intense and scared and all you do is like you're there like waiting for the next little noise, basically you're feeding the energy that's driving it. Chances are you might even sure. attract something you don't even that's not even there now. But if you sure. start like, for lack of a better word, let the sunshine in, you know, watch a funny mm-hmm. movie, have laughs, have a party, have good times, mm-hmm. and not engage in it. Depending on what it is, I'm not going to say this always ha- uh, works, but a lot of times this will dissipate some energy, where all of a sudden it uh-huh. slows down, mm-hmm. and eventually, because we do, I think that human beings sometimes when they put a lot of focus on something, especially out of fear, which is a very, very intense emotion, it amps it up. It's like, it's give, it's supercharging whatever the source is. Sure. And yeah. um, like I said, it doesn't apply all the time. It applies sometimes depending on what's going on. Sometimes if you've got mm-hmm. a family that's having a little bit of trouble, you know, it's like, you know what? Lighten up a little bit. Like go out, go to the park, um, you know, don't sit around waiting for the bad thing to happen, which is unfortunately what happens in a lot of times where when people are scared. They're scared, uh-huh. but at the same time, their expectations are or they anticipate the next horrible event or feeling or noise or whatever it is. And you can't. That's a horrible you know, way to live. It's a horrible way to live. On on those lines, you know, um, one of my grandmothers used to say, the, the the old saying, I, I'm sure we all know it, that cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you what just a top to bottom, yes. you know, under every rug, corner, and everything else, just yes. a good, hard, pure cleaning. Yes. Clean that place. Make that place sparkle. Yes. I can't even tell you the difference that something like that makes. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have had to tell people before, I, I would love to work with you, and I'm willing to work with you, and I will come back, but I will not come back until this place is clean. Uh-huh. And I'm talking yes. about, you know, I'm talking about, because you're talking about borderline, if not full-on hoarder situations. Yes. And it's, it's like, well, you, you have a built-in claustrophobic scenario here. You, of course you're psychologically off right now because – this pile of stuff may fall on you or your child at any moment. Yeah. Clean, get rid of the junk. And so that's one thing that I I have. And it's an uncomfortable conversation because you don't want to tell anybody how to live, but but... I, 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 I will give you that ultimatum. I will say, I'll be happy to help you. And I think I can help you, but I will not subject myself or my team members to a place that we just can't function in. Yeah. Um, you know, we, and, and so it's going to be a situation where you can let me know when you've cleaned all this up or, you know, find, find somebody else that can help you. And, and sure. I wish you the best and, you know, do what you got to do. And I understand I, I've had some people get offended by that, which I get it. Um, but that's just, you know, I have to have, I have to have my expectations oh, because sure. you, you can't. You can't be asking me for a solution and not want to be part of the solution because you're going to have to be part of the solution whether you like it or not right. in some form or fashion. Exactly. And, and so – And that's a very go good ahead. point. You don't go in there ma- wave a magic wand and go, ding, your problem solved. No. Like, uh-huh. No. 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 And, and, and so – 
you know, you can't participate and you can't cooperate on just certain basic things. Like, you know, I get it. You know, some homes are just simply cleaner than others, and that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not judging anybody. You know, my home with, with four kids running around certainly is not always spotless. I mean, sure. God bless my wife for keeping it up the way she does, and I try to do my best. But in the end, you can't have an inch layer of dust and filth everywhere sure. and, no, no, no. and piles yeah, and piles of just stench and and things that have built up over who knows how many years, and and it, that has to play a psychological effect on somebody. Oh, I know it does. I know it does. And, and I know what you're saying. You so, don't go in there with a white glove or anything. But what you're saying is, I'm not talking about no, no. What you're talking about is, hey man, and, and you need to declutter like. Like either clean and get rid of some of this junk. And that right there, believe uh-huh. it or not, sometimes is a good indicator of the root of some problems that people have. Oh, no question. I, you know what? I have walked into – a matter of fact, I, I actually had one lady. She was very embarrassed about that conversation, and I got that. And I, I tried to preface. I said, look, I'm not trying to judge you or embarrass you or anything like that, but – Here's my opinion. Here's my thoughts. And I'm going to have to say that I have to take a step back unless we can do these simple things. I said, I need this place clean. You know, it, it's just gotten out of hand. It's it's a dangerous place, and it's not something that I can work in. I said, it, it, I'll come back, but I need it clean first. And then and I suggested, I said, you know, being that it's springtime, almost summertime, open open every window in the house that has a screen open it for 24 hours mm-hmm. and just leave them out. open oh let just let air flow in any direction it needs to flow just let it go and 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 feel some of that you know don't live in a boarded up home just cluttered everywhere it's it it psychologically is going to break no. you down eventually whether you know it or not well and, and the problem and is sure sometimes enough, when they fail to she see felt it 10 times better She felt 10 times better when we came back. She said, you know, I was embarrassed, but thank you because it helped immensely. Mm -hmm. I said, well, of course it did because, you know, our lives get so busy sometimes that we crawl into our little shell and and we just forget the fact that we have to, we have to breathe. And, And when your home is built around the antithesis of breathing freely, you're you're going to have problems. I mean, whether it's paranormal or not, but you know, and, and God bless her. She got, she got to the point where things got so much better and you know, that, that was a great thing. But, but until then she didn't know what to do, but that was a starting point, you know, and it was an important starting point and it got us all going in the right direction. And eventually the rut that they were in and the issues they were having are completely gone and haven't been back since. And that was well, you, eight and, years ago. And that was the thing. And, and it's that, and that's what I'm, I mean, Brandon, that a lot of people think, could it be so simple? Yeah. Some solutions, not all, but sometimes the solutions are sure. that simple and that basic. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, that, like what you, that suggestion that you gave her, this is, this is the starting mm-hmm. point. Um, and, and, and like I said, there's a lot that, that you can tell sometimes as to also, I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes it opens the door for things to come through when you've got somebody, like you said, that because they've got something going on in their head and before you know it, like you said, it 
they fail to see it or they see it, but they, they feel so helpless that they don't even make the oh, effort well, until somebody puts a pressure on them right. like you did. Well, and, and it breeds depression and yes. it breeds, you know, being paranoid. It, it, it just does. And so, you know, and, and it, there's kind of a there's kind of a psychological fight back going on when you just simply clean everything up and air it out. You know, of course, it's almost like it's almost like if something's punching you, this is how you punch back. Yes. Because if you've just allowed this situation to get so out of control, then maybe that's lending to some of this this negativity that you're constantly feeling and experiencing. And so, and so, you know, I do. And that, and that's where, like I said, I don't, I don't want to ever judge anybody I'm there with, but I'll just flat out tell you, you know, one of the first things I'll tell them, look, sometimes the truth hurts and sometimes the truth sucks and you may not even want to hear the truth, but I'm going to tell you from my perspective, the truth that I see and what you do with that is entirely up to you. Exactly. And that's and that right there also gives you a good idea if people are willing, if they're really, really interested in improving what's going on with them. And by that, and, and you right. made a good point Absolutely. where some people think that, especially when they have a legitimate, you know, supernatural event going on, like they expect somebody to walk in through the door and resolve it and they can just stand in the corner and watch it. And not participate. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is your house, your life, or your family's life. And you've got right. to be involved because once we leave, there might be something that you need to do on a daily basis not mm-hmm. to let it reoccur. It's a process. But if you think somebody's right. going to come in here and just wave a magic wand and then you'll, it's over now, okay. Which I hate to say some of the shows kind of like point you in that direction unrealistically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there there isn't. It's it's a process where, uh, like you said, well, if, especially depending on what the family dynamics are or what's going on, especially if they're going to stay someplace. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a work in progress, and a lot of people fail to see that. Well, and I think a lot of people that tend to get into the field because of the shows don't understand the the differentiation process that has to happen between Hollywood and oh and everything else, you know, um, because really let, let's be honest. It, it only takes just a drop of common sense to realize, you know, when they create a show, when they air a show, they need to get ratings. They have to, sure. or that show is not going to be long for that station. And, yeah. and, you know, that's their job and that's their profession. And that's what they do. They get ratings. That's what they exactly. need to do. But, but in this field, there's not a lot of room for interpretation when it comes to presentation of what you call evidence. There's just not. There, there is a big question of credibility, and that's why I've always – as a matter of fact, I had, I, I've been approached to do certain shows. I actually did one show uh, because it was a historical piece that I thought mm-hmm. was really interesting, and so I, I was happy to do it. But I've also been approached about the other aspect, the, the collection of evidence and investigation, and I'm not super interested in that. Because eventually, I want to present my stories as they're told, and I want I want my presentation powers, not anybody in a corporate office, to be able to tell me how this story needs to be told. And that's why, eventually, I want to couple my writing with documentary filmmaking. Right. And so, and so to me, and and, and again, I because I, it allows me to give you a visual of what we do and why we do it, and the things that occur during the process. 
it's not necessarily to convince you. Now, if we if we collect compelling evidence, of course, we'll present it as right. such. But, you know, again, my trying to prove the existence of this stuff only goes so far. I, I think you're kind of beating your head against a wall trying to do that because, let's be honest, it's just not that easy to do. And you're it's never, not. I don't know, I don't know that there's a scenario that anybody's going to have on film them running up to Bigfoot, high-fiving Bigfoot, and, <laughs> and that's just the end of the discussion about Bigfoot. I oh, just no. don't think that's coming. Uh, no. <laughs> But you know what? And, 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 and there's never and there's never going to be a film of a ghost caught on tape that somebody's not going to be out there saying it was doctored. Of course, it's especially nowadays with all the technology that's out there that allows you to exactly. do that. Exactly, yeah, it's course. too easy to do. Yeah. It's too easy to doctor. And so, from a skeptic's point of view, if I wasn't there, you know, I have to say, well, was it real? I don't know. Sure. And you know, I mean, but but that's not to deter anybody from trying to do this. No. But but they really need not, to know what they're getting it's into. It's not what's presented on TV. Well, a lot of people, and let me ask you, once you finish with that case, which sounds like a doozy, and, mm -hmm. and like you said, you were involved with it for several months. Did uh -huh. you need oh, yeah. to take a break after that, or what happened after you did that case? Um, you know, it was about... Let me think. It was it was about a six month. You know, I was still investigating. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, uh, we found we found I was. That's when I was really starting to get into a lot of the ley line research that I've been doing now for the last eight or so years. That's one of my main focuses. Okay. Um, is ley line research, and so it was about six months after that case. Uh, we had gone out. We had found a few places uh, that we would just go investigate just to kind of test new equipment and things of that nature. And um, so we really enjoyed that. Um, but I didn't take on any additional cases. And, and that's what led actually to the second book. Um, my research on ley lines and mm -hmm. history kind of took me to a geographic location. So I started doing a lot of research down in that area. Okay. And that's when I ended up being in touch with um, a lady that coordinated what turned out to be a seven-year investigation um, at a private property down in Oklahoma um, that was just on a different level than anything that I ever realistically saw. That's what it sounds like. Um, wow. It was. And that's the, the second book, it is, it spans, and it, it's funny, one of the biggest criticisms of that is there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this, and this. There's no way this is nonfiction because this guy's full of it. You know, it, it, you know, there's aliens and there's Bigfoots and there's ghosts and there's demons and there's all this and that. And, I, and, you know, one of the first things I think you read in the book is the events you're about to read took place over the course of seven years. And I'll be honest with you, mm -hmm. this place was like its own different reality. And it was one of the craziest things about it is just one new type of activity after another kept presenting itself. It was almost as though when we thought the second we thought we figured something out, mm -hmm. something entirely different would just come out of nowhere. It was insane. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what took us were into there, that. 
were there ley lines over there on that property? Is that how you came to work with it? Uh, within 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 three miles, uh, okay. there's an intersection of actually there was an intersection of actually five ley lines. It was it's one of the bigger uh, geographic clusters of intersecting ley lines in the mainland United States. There's about eight to ten of them throughout the mainland United States of that size. Um, okay. And this one just happened to be the closest one geographically to me, and so that's why I pursued it. Okay. Um, and then the history that came along with it was was pretty stunning. Wow. Uh, my two-year-old's about to come in, and she's... Don't worry about it. But anyway, as a matter of fact, I wanted to thank you, Brandon, so for the time. This has been a fascinating, fascinating conversation. And I want to bring you back because I want to talk about that second book because something that you did for seven years. As a matter of fact, I was going to ask you, you oh, know, sure. if you had done any dousing as far as the the work with the ley lines and et cetera, because I know that sometimes mm -hmm. there are permutations off central ley lines that you can discover with dousing rods. Um, uh, that like mm -hmm. as far as within a property itself, like you said, you knew that it was within a, a main line within a couple of miles it sounds like but um well it was the it was it was the intersection of five main lines wow and so right we were kind of in a uh, well what i would consider to a certain extent a very large vortex and so um no wonder. yeah and and yeah and i've i've actually done a lot of work with dousing i, I like the older school i guess you'd call it yes uh I've worked with dousing rods. As a matter of fact, I, I have I really... have my pair of dousing rods there. As a matter of fact, they're hung hung behind mm -hmm. my door. I, I everywhere I go on any investigation, I always take my dousing rods. I've used dousing rods really, really well a lot of times, and mm -hmm, for sure. And I've ruled out. Oh you yeah. Know, um, I consider myself a subconscious behaviorist, so I understand really well how the subconscious works. Where, you know, you get some people that will tell you, um, that what you get with dousing rods are your subconscious sometimes. But I've worked with him, and I brought stuff through that there was no way I know I knew. So it wasn't in my subconscious mind. Like mm -hmm. up to a certain point, sure. yeah, there's stuff you don't know you know, but there's stuff that you know you mm -hmm. I don't know. So I've worked with Dalsing right. Rods for a lot of years. And um, like you said, to use that word, it's old school and basic, but it's really good. It's really mm -hmm. good. It's a little oh, bit yeah, time absolutely. consuming depending on what you're doing if you don't have a lot of time. But as a tool, they are excellent, excellent tools. Um, oh, I, I totally agree. Especially yeah, if you've absolutely. got, uh, uh, um, especially if you got a dousing rod that you've worked with for a long time. I want to say, believe it mm -hmm. or not, those things, uh, when you work with them for a while, like the, a particular dousing rod, you kind of like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know this is like, but you, you, there's like, a, it works with you. You know, there's a, there's a binding as far as the user. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't even let anybody ever use my dousing rods because well, yeah, it, it works that. that way. That It works that way. But anyway, I know you've got children and a two-year-old boy. Yeah, I remember the day. So thank you so very much, Brandon. It has been wonderful uh -huh. to speak to you. Um, well, uh, it was great. It was I, great. I have enjoyed it very much. No. And so, yeah, let me know. We'll, we'll reconvene and uh, dive even deeper. Absolutely. Thank you so, so very much, and have a fantastic weekend, okay? You too. Take care. And so, yeah, I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. That was great. That was fantastic.
I know, I know. You can say, Marlene, you say that about everybody, but I do, because I, I think all my guests are super interesting. But let me tell you something. Um, you know, I've had a lot of different guests, some authors, paranormal and or paranormal investigators, but you know what I liked about Brandon? That what he was describing is very authentic as far as how dark some investigations some get. Well, some locations, in other words, as a, and as a result, the investigation can get. Um, and I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again. Paranormal investigations can be very interesting. They can be fun, especially if you belong to a group that you gel with. Okay, you, it's, it's not like, oh, you go in there all serious. You know, sometimes, yeah, you know, having a good relationship with your team, even if it's a team of two, is great. It's fantastic. As a matter of fact, you have great memories. But you always go into this work with the understanding that there might be a chance. It's not common, but there is a chance that you are going to stumble over something very dark in your investigation. And when I say very dark, I don't mean your regular dead person that's lost their way or has ownership over that land or whatever because that can be dealt with I'm talking about something like what Brandon was describing okay something that let me tell you something his description of a soul collector that was really creepy and think about it you know, a place where people were laid to rest where maybe you had spirits that were trapped or lost because they didn't transition well after their death. And maybe they came, this was one of the, you know, sometimes spirits will follow their body around if they don't understand exactly what happened to them. And they're trying to get back in their body, but they can't, but they don't want to lose sight of it. And sometimes they will go to funeral homes and then sometimes they go off to the cemetery and some some of them along the way kind of figure it out uh especially if at the beginning when their loved ones came for them they didn't go because they didn't think they were dead they didn't understand what had happened to them and some of them get stuck and without really knowing because you know what maybe this poor mortician didn't do anything sinister i mean somebody's got to do that work folks okay maybe he had nothing whatsoever to do you know with uh attracting whatever was dark there or wanting to bind those spirits to stay there because that's the difference um but maybe he did you never know or maybe between the years that this mortician owned it and it maybe went to the hands uh i'll tell you what if you have got a person or a group of people who work with any type of divination or magic where they use the dead you better believe that a place like a mortuary or mortician or funeral home to them is the perfect place to work rituals or spells especially if they're trying to bind a spirit for divination purposes which by the way that does I've seen that okay uh, this is like okay this is the place to go I'm going to collect here a lost spirit of a human being who's kind of lost their way, might be aware they're dead, might not be aware they're dead, but I'm going to bind it and I'm going to use it 
okay. And that's a whole other show of how they can use it. That that person. I mean, I mean, that, there's a big question mark on how this entity or this dark force entity went in there, and took over the place and made it unlivable. I definitely, I gotta read the book, and I gotta read the other book, and I'm sure you guys have been seeing the covers of the books that I've shown them. Which, by the way, a link to uh, to Brandon on Facebook. It's gonna be in the credits of the show, and. Uh, you can find his books on Amazon. But anyway, you know what? Like I said, paranormal investigations are fantastic. They're interesting. If you're ready sometimes to put up with boring nights, you'll make a lot of great memories with your group. If you gel good with them, like no paradrama. Thank you. Uh, you'll have a lot of moments of excitement when you actually capture evidence. Sometimes you get it right then and there. Sometimes you get it after the fact. Uh, but then always with the understanding that you can't come across situations like this and that you got to really think good and hard about how it affects you because he he admitted to it and I'm glad he did because I think everybody does it that despite all the books you can read you can make a big whopping mistake like he said because he asked the wrong thing to prove itself and sometimes that's exactly what they're waiting for. Almost like, you know how they, you know, the, 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 the prototypical vampire story, he can't come in your house unless you invite him. A lot of these entities, that's exactly what they're waiting for. They keep a very low profile and they almost mimic human spirits, hoping, or very subtle and hoping that you're going to do exactly that. The challenge, which is basically, I'm opening the door for you to come into my space and basically give me what I just asked for. And I'll tell you that much. Once that door is open, it takes a lot, a lot to close. A lot. Okay. So I'm glad he pointed that out. That's not to scare people off, but it's a cautionary tale up to a certain point um, as far as how dark this work can get. And I'm not kidding. In other shows, I've said, you know what? I understand that sometimes uh, certain things happen where it's not financially viable for a family to move out of a house that's just like really out of control. But it's a dark, hard thing to tell a family, you got to go. And like, go where? Live under a bridge? You mean, I got to No, but... There are times, and in this case, where this guy beat him to the punch. He ran out the, he ran, he left, good for him, and he was able to do so. Well, yeah, you know what? There are places like this which are not habitable for whatever reason. That you could say, well, we're going to do a house blessing. According to Catholic rites, you can't exercise a building. You can exercise people. But you can do blessings. Uh, depending on what's going on, was there something in the land, you know? Was this lady buried underneath the house? Yeah, who, who knows? God, it could have been a million things, okay, of, of how, like he said, that you don't know the origins of to know how to address it. But barring all of that, there comes a point where you say, you know what, burn the place down. <laughs> well, not burn it, but it's, it's like it's not habitable, all right? And like he said, people tried living in there, and what, they lasted, what, maybe a month, two months, and then they're out of there, okay? And that's what happens, and where it's like, 
and, and, and I guess what I'm trying because there's some places um, and you know some some paranormal investigators have opened up houses that are haunted and they use them almost like labs for paranormal investigators to go in there and experience it during a weekend there's several of them across the United States the actual owners which are paranormal investigators don't live there but they open it up for teams to go in there and do EVP sessions and uh, see if they can capture stuff because they've authenticated what's there. But there's some houses that you can't even do that. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous place for human beings to be in. Even for a weekend. Okay. And um, let me tell you, his hat's off because he stuck to it. He really helped this guy out the, mo the most he could and Thankfully, this man was was able to leave, which I think was that was really an unusual thing that when he was a child, because of its deafness, he got spared from a lot of what his family was experiencing. However, when he came back, it upped the ante and said, "Okay, now I'm going to deal with you. You know, there's since you're the only one in the house, I'm going to have you experience things in a way that I know you can't ignore. Okay, so that was pretty dark. But anyway, anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. Subscribe to my channel. Hit the like button. Uh, whether you're viewing it on YouTube or you're catching the podcast version on any of the other platforms, uh, just subscribe to me so that you get notified whenever I release a new show. My true believers, don't forget to visit me and submit your true ghost story at miamighostchronicles.com. Also, uh, I've had a lot of requests. Uh, I put out my first book, Haunted History of the Old West Wicked Ladies, and people wanted me to do more of that. So I might be coming out with another book along those lines as far as uh, the Old West soiled doves and the ones that stuck around because, just because, no, usually sometimes they died tragically or they just loved the wrong man. And sometimes the men hang around too, either way. So guys, thanks again so much for being part of my audience. It is fantastic, and I think you are all wonderful. Today is a Saturday for me, so have a fantastic weekend. Take care.